G'day and welcome to the St. John's Dolby Sermon Podcast. I'm David Brown from St. John's. This week we're looking at Jeremiah 29 as part of our Prophets Minor and Major series. For more information about our church, please go to anglicantolby.org.au. Here's the sermon. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the other people that Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Joachim and the Queen Mother, the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elisar's son of Shaphan and to Jamaria, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. And it said, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfil my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Hear the word of the Lord. Please pray for me as I pray for you. Loving Lord God, as we open your word to us today, we pray that you would help us to have open hearts to hear what you have to say to us and open lives to apply it. Help us to be place positive, people positive, future positive, and help us to look to you for a hope and a future. Amen. 
Well, imagine, imagine growing up in God's holy city, Zion, Jerusalem. As you went about your day, you could look up from anywhere in the city and see a physical reminder of God's presence among your people. It was the temple. Everyone followed one law. Everyone had similar ideals, language, culture. Your king lived and served under God, and his job was to protect and care for you and your family as the Lord's servant. But imagine one day foreign armies surround your city and breach the walls of your home, setting fire to everything. Imagine the queen mother, the priests, the prophets, craftsmen, artisans, and your whole family, anyone who was anyone, being dragged like slaves north through the desert, through high mountains, and through cold nights to Babylon, a dirty city of sin. In Jerusalem, you could feel God's tangible presence flowing down the streets. But in Babylon, you smell death. And the skyline is dominated by the temples to gods of power, sex, and war. Imagine homesickness, trauma, anxiety, fear, and hopelessness dominating your thoughts. How can you possibly find the strength to carry on? Many of your friends have already abandoned their identity as God's people and sold out. But you and your family cling to hope that things will go back to the way they were. Squatting in shanty towns by the river, you and your people need something. You hear rumours of the local prophets saying that Babylon will fall in two years. Could this be true? All of a sudden, one of your friends A reader and a scribe brings you a letter from the prophet Jeremiah. It's a message from the Lord. And this is what it says in verse 1 of our reading, chapter 29. This is the text of the letter the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and priests. The prophets and all other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Paul, well done on all those um, tough-to-pronounce names. You did a great job. This imagined scenario is where God's people find themselves in Jeremiah 29. For the past five weeks, we've been learning from the prophetic books of the Bible, and sometimes it's been heavy going. Week after week, the prophets have been saying, change and repent, and the Babylonians may not attack you. But the people ignored God's warnings again and again. This week, the exile finally happens. God's patience with his people ends and judgment comes. The message we're going to look at today is written to the exiles, but it's also for us today. In their confusion and anxiety about the future in a hostile world, the people receive a message to them from God. And we're going to find today that God gives them a guide for living in exile. And what is that message? God encourages the people to be place positive, people positive, and future positive. We are to be God positive. So let's look at the first point, place positive. 
The word Jew describes someone from the kingdom of Judah. Judah means worship or praise. These were the people who were closest to God's temple where worship and praise happened. They were in the centre of God's promised land, the the land God had given to their ancestors. For us today, it's pretty hard to imagine the spiritual connection the people would have had with the land. But if you can imagine uh, a farmer living on their property that their family has held for generations, you're on the right track. You can imagine how strange Babylon would have been for the exiles. While Jerusalem was a city built on a hill, Babylon was built on the banks of a mighty river and was home to the hanging gardens of Babylon, one of the seven wonders of the world. Exiles in Babylon would have felt totally out of place. The sights, smells and sounds of Babylon would have been totally foreign and strange and their homesickness would have been deep. It would have been hard to figure out whether to commit to living in this strange land or to live separately from the Babylonians. But God writes to the people and says in verse 5, you have to flick over the page, Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, but do not decrease. While every instinct would have told you to run back home, God says, put down roots. Get out of your tents and shelters and squatter villages and build houses in enemy territory. While the people would have been placed negative, God tells them to be placed positive. As a kid, my family moved around a lot and uh, we lived for three years in a place called Zambia, this beautiful tropical um, forest place, um, and I loved Zambia. And then we moved all the way north to Europe, thousands of kilometres north, uh, where it was snowy and cold and bleak, and it was hard. Life was hard there. And so one day, um, my homesickness got to me, and I threw everything Polish out of my room. Polish clothes, Polish books, even Polish toys. Um, I threw them all on this pile outside my room. Um, And I put a sign on my door that said, Polish free zone. (laughs) All of a sudden, there was a knock on the door. And it was my Polish teacher. (laughs) Yeah. Friends, this is so often what happens to us. Whenever the world around us changes, we're tempted to hate it and become place negative. Even if you've lived in the same place all your life, places change. And perhaps you've found yourself longing for the traffic, the cleanliness, the quietness to go back to the way it was. It's tempting to live your life hating the world around you. But God is place positive. And he tells the exiles and us today to be place positive. We might be tempted to hate particular places. Perhaps your ex's house, that cafe where you got bad service, the pub with all the pokies, or the club where all the rowdy people are. But God doesn't share this perspective. The people thought God lived in Jerusalem, but God's message to the exiles is, I'm here with you. Even in this place, I am here. I'm the God who created this world. And I can't be shut out, run away from, or banished. 
God says to the exiles and us today, set down your roots. Love where you live, even if it's not where you want to be. Flourish where you are, rather than wishing you were somewhere that doesn't actually exist. The second thing God encourages us to be is people positive. Look with me at verse 7. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Have you ever seen someone to pretend uh, to cough (coughs) or make a fuss when they're around a smoker? (laughs) So the smoker feels bad? Have you seen that? Um, This is kind of how the Jews treated people who were not like them um, in, in Judah. The Jews had strict purity laws that if broken meant that you had to wash yourself and go to the temple to offer sacrifices for purification before you were considered clean again. In our gospel reading, Jesus encounters these ten lepers and they stand a long way off and call to him. Why? Because they don't want to make him unclean. But Jesus approaches them and builds a relationship with them. Jesus is people positive. In Judah, people would occasionally meet an unclean person who they would steer clear of. But in Babylon, they were surrounded by them. Those people who worshipped false gods and lived in ways that the Jews found disgusting. Rather than isolating themselves, God says, be people positive. God says, put down your roots, build businesses and make lives for yourselves in this new place. Most surprisingly of all, God says, pray for the prosperity of the city. This is as close as the Old Testament comes to Jesus' teaching for us to love our enemies. Can you imagine praying for the prosperity of the people who invaded your land and killed your friends and family? This is what God is telling us to do. Friends, so often for Christians today, we pine for the old days. When everyone went to church and when there were 2,000 kids in Sunday school and all our neighbours were Catholic, Methodist or Presbyterian. Today our neighbours are just as likely to be New Age or Atheist or raging Collingwood supporters. (laughs) It's so tempting as Christians to hate our neighbours and pray that bad things would happen to them. But Jesus says, love your neighbours. As you love yourself. Love people who are hard to love. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Sometimes tempting to go into a Christian bubble and spend time with only Christian friends. Shop only at Christian shops and buy only Christian products. But this is as impossible today as it was in Babylon. When we attempted to form little ghettos of people who are like us, God reminds us to be people positive, to love our neighbours and pray for the prosperity of Dolby, of Cecil Plains, of the district and of secular non-Christian Australia. The final thing God tells the exiles to be in this passage is to be future positive. The exiles would sit by the rivers of Babylon. You've heard the Bernie M song? By the rivers of Babylon. (laughs) Where we sat down, oh, there we wept 
As we remembered Zion. You guys are good singers. Well done. And the, and the song finishes. How can we sing our song, our song in a strange land? That's the question that the exiles were asking themselves. Bernie M. didn't write those lyrics. <laughs> Instead, it's a straight quotation from Psalm 137. They're crying out to God, how can we sing our song? How can we be God's people in this strange land? At this point, God says in verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. This is uh, one of the most famous verses in the whole Bible. It's on mugs and t-shirts and greeting cards and plaques. And it's important to note the context here. This word is for the exiles living in Babylon. The book of Jeremiah has repeatedly made clear that the Babylonians are God's agent of judgment. They are part of God's plan for the world. Also, it's important to note that the you Jeremiah uses here is plural. So we need to recognize that God is speaking to his whole people. Jeremiah 29.11 isn't a reminder that God wants, you, wants to make your wildest dreams come true. It's not as if God is at your personal beck and call. Because he wants you to get that promotion, win the lotto, or make you famous. Instead, there is something much more wonderful going on. God is saying here, even in Babylon, in this place, I am sovereign. Even in Babylon, I am in control. Even when times are tough and the future looks bleak, you can trust me. The exiles may have felt that God had lost the battle, or that God had lost the plot, or forgotten their promises, or chosen a different people. But this was not true. Because while the exiles might have been dreaming about how peachy things were back in Judah, as we've been looking at in the prophetic books, things weren't great in Judah. Things weren't great in Israel. The leaders were abusive, and there was just as much idolatry and craziness in Israel as there was in Babylon. Sometimes we want to go back to the past. But God wants us to be future positive. Because in Christ, the best is always yet to come. God has awesome plans for his people and for this world. God promises that he is redeeming all of creation. I don't know every detail of God's plans. But I do know that every second of suffering, confusion and sadness will be forgotten on the last day when we find ourselves in the presence of Almighty God. You may be worried about the future. The life in the next 10, 15 years won't be as good as it is now. Whatever happens, if God exists and his promises are true, then we can look forward to the future knowing that ultimately... Christ has won. We can boldly face the future knowing that God works together for the good of those who love him. And his plans are good. You may have noticed um, that 
the extinction protests are going on all around the world. Um, and the, these protests um, are good from the perspective that our God wants us to take care of creation and to love creation. But they're bad in that they thrive on fear about the future. They're, th- they're, they're building on this negativity and pessimism. God tells us to be future positive and look towards a better world. So this is a huge ask. Living place positive, people positive and future positive while not conforming to the world around us is a hard ask. But God isn't telling us to rely on positive psychology or to turn ourselves into starry-eyed optimists who don't understand reality. See, the God of the Bible is the God of exile. And he goes into exile with us and invites us into exile with him. Jesus Christ, God himself, came down to earth from heaven. He left his throne and willingly came into our world to suffer among us and die for us. Jesus experienced hunger, cold, sickness, sin, bullying and death in a totally foreign place that hated him. Jesus was born among a suffering people under foreign occupation, but he was still place positive. Jesus met with people beside rivers, on mountaintops, in houses, beside wells, and in the temple courts. There was no place where God wasn't, where he couldn't feel God's presence. Jesus said things like, my kingdom is not of this world, but he still loved the world. Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God coming to people in places you wouldn't expect. When a tax collector turns his life over to God and offers to give his wealth to the poor, Jesus says, the kingdom of God has come to this place. Salvation has come to this place. Jesus is place positive. Jesus was also people positive. He treated no one with disdain or as unclean or unworthy of God's love. And we see this in the gospel reading today of how he treats the lepers. Jesus spent time with prostitutes and robbers, as well as politicians and lawyers. Jesus wasn't afraid of healing sick people or praising the foreigners who accepted him with faith. In return, he was treated with constant scepticism and disdain. But he returned this harsh treatment with positivity, love and forgiveness. Jesus is people positive. Finally, Jesus was future positive, and his ministry progressed. But Jesus came to realize that his life was going to end painfully on a cross. Jesus never got married, he wandered around as an itinerant preacher. He lived in a time of pessimism and hopelessness, where the people were threatened by infighting from within and by the Romans from outside. Yet Jesus said things like, seek out God's kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, Jesus went boldly to the cross, knowing that God's plans are bigger than our plans. 
And God's future is brighter than anything we could ask or imagine. Jesus is future positive. Jesus is all of these things because he leaned into God. He is God positive. I'm always struck by the intimacy Jesus had with his Father, God. Friends, we can't be place positive, people positive, or future positive without drawing on God's strength. That's why verses 11 to 14 of Jeremiah 29 are filled with encouragement to burrow deep into God. Look with me at verse 11 again. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and places where you have been banished, declares the Lord. And will bring you back from the place from which I carried you into exile. God is the centre of Jeremiah 29. Not us. When we put God at the centre of our lives, knowing that our plans, that God's plans are better than we could ask or imagine, we can live lives that please God and bless those around us. Friends, if you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, then let me encourage you to learn more about God, to ask big questions, and to speak to someone at this church or myself. We'd love to look into those questions with you. I want to encourage you to look to Jesus who loves you dearly and wants you to know him. No matter who we are, we all feel exiled sometimes, far off from where we want to be. But God offers us a way home and a promises an end to exile. If you are a Christian today, I encourage you to dig deep into God. Heaven is our ultimate home. And we live as exiles until the day heaven and earth become one. And we walk through the gates of the We're looking at Jeremiah 29 as part of our Prophets Minor and Major series. Place positive. For more information about our church, please go to angrycolby.org. And God positive. Here's the sermon. Amen.